Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Good morning. We've been uh, talking about going uh, on a mission trip and being on mission for, uh, for Christ in this series. And I've uh, got a couple more uh, services left uh, next week. Dale Fisher, our director of missions, will be also uh, talking to you about being on mission. And then uh, when we come back, uh, we'll be giving a, a report on the Sunday that we come back uh, about the mission trip and sharing with you how uh, things went. Uh, you guys are probably in, in, in trouble this morning because I've, uh, I've got my carry-on uh, with me and uh, there's snacks in it. Uh, I can sit up here and eat and go a whole lot longer than what I normally would go uh, in, uh, in, way of, uh, in way of a sermon. But uh, uh, anyway, I uh, want you to be in prayer for our mission trip. We'll be, uh, we'll be leaving, uh, meeting here at 2 in the morning. And, uh, and heading out, we're driving to Atlanta uh, tonight, so uh, pray for us getting through the traffic. Uh, pray that there's no protest across the highways that uh, detain us and hold us up as uh, we try and uh, uh, arrive at the airport. And, uh, and then we'll uh, try and get at the airport around 8.30, be flying out uh, somewhere around 10.30 or so. Uh, take about three hours, I think they're telling me, to uh, get into Guatemala. And then we'll have about a three-hour drive into the country uh, once we get there. So uh, just be praying for us as we travel. Uh, at the end of the service, those who are at this service, uh, who are going on the uh, trip, we'll pray with them. And then we'll do the same thing at the second service. Uh, we found out um, <clears throat> within the last day or so uh, that there is a, uh, a homeless family that needs a house, so we'll be building a house while we're there. We've kind of been waiting to find out uh, what one of the projects might be, so we'll be building a house. Uh, still may be trying to vent uh, some of the roofs uh, there to where the smoke can escape uh, since they cook over open fire in their homes and help them uh, with respiratory issues that some of the children are having and things like that. Uh, we'll also be going to a new village while we're there. They've not been to before to kind of build some relationships and, uh, and try and uh, uh, look about going back and doing ministry in this new village. Uh, at some point in time in the future, be doing vacation Bible school for the children, uh, soccer tournament for the for the teenagers, uh, a lot of different things. Waiting to see if maybe we can uh, add on and do some work uh, on the school there by helping finish out a kitchen uh, that they're building on a school. So uh, we've got a, a lot to do in the ten days that we'll be gone. So if you would just be praying for us, uh, inside the updates you can uh, see a schedule of uh, different people to pray for that's going on the trip on different days. Uh, so keep that with you this week and, uh, and be praying for those people on the days uh, that, we have, uh, that we've asked you to. Uh, <clears throat> we started this series out about, uh, um, well, probably about three, four weeks ago now, counting today, uh, I guess. But uh, Brad uh, McBride, who, of course, he and Brandy uh, have UTH Ministries and are the ones that's been organizing these trips to Guatemala, he started out talking to us about deciding yes. And uh, why we need to decide yes is what I talked about the next week, deciding yes to be everyday missionaries, to be on mission for Christ. Uh, and then after we talked about why, we talked about what, trying to see kind of what that looks like uh, to be an everyday uh, missionary. Uh, today we're going to talk about who. Uh, and that 
word who uh, ought to be all of us if you know Christ as your Savior. Uh, you ought to be someone that's willing to answer the call, uh, to be a person that looks at your life as being an opportunity wherever you go to be an everyday missionary for Christ. Uh, so think about that. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6 today, if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to kind of walk through that as, uh, as we uh, uh, go through the message today. I'm not going to read all of it uh, right now, but we're going to walk through it and look at it as we go through the, the message. And uh, try and answer that question, who? Uh, and I'm going to ask it about three times and give uh, about three answers. It's not an exhaustive list uh, as far as who, but uh, as I thought about uh, Isaiah answering a call that God extended to him, uh, I thought it would be appropriate for us to focus upon that this week since we have people who are getting ready to, to get on an airplane, go to another country, and uh, be sent uh, by God, be sent by our church. Uh, to go forth and, and minister there. So the first way to answer that question is this. We try to answer the question, who? Uh, who ought to be trying to be an everyday missionary? Uh, it's the person who focuses upon the real king, the Lord. Uh, if we're going to take on the role of being missionaries in our lives, uh, number one, it has to be somebody that knows the Lord. Amen? I mean, you can't really be a missionary if you don't know Christ yourself. But not only do we just need to know the Lord, we need to have the right focus. We need to have our focus upon Him. Uh, he's the, the reason why we're doing it to begin with. Uh, we need to have our focus upon Him instead of looking at uh, other things and being distracted by other things uh, in, in, in our lives. If we're going to really be everyday missionaries, we need to be looking above the circumstances that we're facing in our own lives, that maybe our nation's facing, whatever, and we need to look higher than that, and we need to look to Him, to the Lord, and, and stay focused upon Him. Uh, now, there's, there's two things I want you to notice from Isaiah's life. Uh, first of all, it seems to me like he was discouraged. He was discouraged. And the same thing can happen to us. We, we will experience discouragement if we focus upon dead kings. Now, uh, he literally had his king to die. But the reason I put that as a, a kind of in quotation marks, I want you to apply that in, in a different way here in just a moment. But the Bible said in the year that King Uzziah died, uh, so what had happened was this, this king who had been a really a, a good king for about 52 years, uh, and, and the nation had prospered, uh, and everything under his leadership, uh, they, they had a degree of prosperity, but the spiritual condition of the land was sliding, even though they had prosperity. He, he had been a good leader, they had had a lot of victories and a lot of progress uh, during the time that he had been the king. But later on in his life, he gets disciplined for disobeying God. And we don't have time to read those texts this morning. You can look them up later and read those. But he disobeys God. And as a result of it, he comes down with leprosy. And that eventually takes his life. He eventually dies as a result of leprosy. So because this king had died that um, Isaiah thought a whole lot of, he had reason to be discouraged. He had reason to be discouraged as he looked at the spiritual condition of his land. A lot of reasons why he could be discouraged. And I'm just simply saying that you and I, if we have our focus placed in the wrong place, we'll face discouragement in our lives. 
And if we're looking at negative circumstances all the time, instead of looking at at something much higher than that, we won't function very well as everyday missionaries because your focus isn't going to be upon trying to serve Christ each and every day that you that you live. You'll not be looking for those opportunities because instead of having some encouragement in your life and looking for a reason to serve Christ and be an everyday missionary, if you get discouraged, and all of us probably have been there at different times, amen, for different reasons, but when you get discouraged or you get depressed, you just kind of crawl into your shell and you don't do a lot, don't you? That happens to us a lot of times. Many people wrestle with it more than others. And if we go around looking at, quote, dead kings, and I'm not talking about just like a politician or a king that literally happened in Isaiah's life, but if we're focused upon the wrong stuff, there are a lot of things we focus upon in life that if we would be honest about them, they're really just dead kings. You know, a lot of circumstances and situations that we allow to, to affect our mindset and the way we operate. But if you think about it, it's really just a dead king. Uh, one day it'll be completely gone. Amen. And one day you won't have to deal with it. But our problem is we get focusing upon those dead kings. And when we do that, it causes us to, to really fail to function as we should because of the negative circumstances. When the Outlook is bleak, try the uplook. And that's not an original statement of me. You've probably heard that said a lot of times over the years. But when the outlook is bleak, try the uplook. I think we need to be doing that right now in our own nation, our own culture. Amen? Real easy to look around and say, man, it looks really bad. And that's why we need to look higher and above. So not just discouragement as we look at this story about Isaiah and him being in the temple and him seeing the Lord. Uh, we need to read beyond the fact that this king that he thought a lot of had died, and we need to understand this. He, he was discouraged because of this dead king, but he also is encouraged because he gets to see the exalted king. And our application of that for our lives would be this. We can have encouragement in our lives if we'll focus upon the right king. It will focus upon the real king. Instead of focusing upon dead kings, it will focus upon certain circumstances in our lives. If we'll look beyond that to a higher level, and if we'll be focusing upon the exalted king, that ought to help encourage us and help motivate us to actually be on ministry for him, to be on mission for him, if we'd just be willing to lift our eyes higher. Look at what the Bible says there. Even though that king had died, Isaiah had died, he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each has six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Now, to get a picture of this in your mind, there might have been a great king, Uzziah, who had left his throne here on earth. But the great king, Jesus, is still on his throne. Amen? That's what we have to learn to focus upon. A lot of dead kings, a lot of circumstances, a lot of things to discourage us and oppress us. Instead of just focusing upon those things, we need to look higher and see Jesus on his throne, to see him high and lifted up. And as we see him in that way, we can be encouraged. 
See, the Bible literally tells us in John chapter 12, verse 41, that this picture that Isaiah sees, this vision that he sees, some theologians believe he's literally in the temple when it happened. Uh, some believe he could have been somewhere else. He just had a vision of the heavenly temple. But whichever way it was, he sees the king high and lifted up. But John lets us know it was Jesus. He said Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. And if you read the whole context of what's said there in John chapter 12, it's talking about Jesus. Isaiah saw Jesus on the throne and he spoke of him. He saw Jesus high and lifted up. He saw Jesus there sitting in the heavenly temple, seated upon the throne. God lifted his eyes up. God allowed him to look beyond his circumstances. God allowed him to look beyond this dead king that he so loved. And he was able to lift his eyes up and see the king of kings, the real king, seated there upon his throne. There might have been confusion in Isaiah's world because of the spiritual condition of the nation. There might have been a lot of talk going around among people because they would do that then just like we tend to do it now sometimes when we shouldn't. But there's probably a lot of maybe gossip and talk going around. Man, did you hear about King Uzziah? Did you know that he died? Did you know that he was struck with leprosy because he had disobeyed God? You can imagine some of the talk that was going around because he was now dead as a result of leprosy. There might have been confusion on the earth, but there wasn't in heaven. (laughs) Because Christ is there seated upon his throne and the seraphim were flying, talking to each other, yelling back to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's something we need to hold on to and remind ourselves when you're going through negative circumstances or we get so discouraged about the world around us. You know, some of us, no doubt, might face circumstances this week when we're in Guatemala to where we might feel a little bit discouraged, a little bit depressed. We need to look above whatever might be taking place there and understand this. God is on his throne. Christ is on his throne. And they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We might be depressed and discouraged about our earthly politicians in the circumstances here, in the confusion here that's taking place. But if you know Christ is your Savior, your focus needs to be on a higher plane. And you need to be saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen? And if we would have that as our focus, that should encourage us to serve him. That should encourage us to be on mission for him. It doesn't matter what's taking place in the world. God is still on his throne. It doesn't matter if someone rejects you trying to share the gospel with them. You've been obedient as you try to minister for Christ. God is still on his throne. No matter what takes place down here in heaven, it's holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. In the, in the post of the temple shook at their voice. That's the focus that we need to to have. God was sitting on his throne. The outlook might have been bleak, but the uplook was glorious. Amen. And we need to remind ourselves of that and allow that to, to motivate us to decide yes. What we've called this series, Decide Yes. Prepare for a mission. Be on mission. Be an everyday missionary for Christ. Second thing I want you to see as we try and answer this question about who is, is not just it needs to be someone that's seen the Lord. But secondly, the person that's going to be an everyday missionary on mission for Christ needs to be the person who honestly recognizes his own condition or has recognized his own condition. 
and that is unclean, whether we like it or not, when we compare ourselves to holy, holy, holy. Amen? And that's the person who's seen himself. The person who's seen himself. Look at verse 5 and 7. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips. So I just submit to you, that's the, kind of the, the response all of us would have if we saw God in all of his holiness. It'd be very easy for us to get over our, our pride and understand who we are really before God. He said, for I'm lost, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Someone that's going to be an everyday missionary who decides you're going to let your life, each and every day of your life, be used as a, as a missionary for Christ wherever you are. Whether it's in Guatemala or whether it's here on the streets of Granite Falls, wherever you find yourself. You, you need to be someone that has seen the Lord. You know the Lord. And your focus is higher than just the circumstances that you're facing in the world. But you also need to be a person who has honestly seen yourself. Because if we fail to remember who we are before God and where we were before Christ came into our lives, we will wind up greatly hindering our ability to be missionaries because if we're not careful, we'll get the old church-type attitude of holier than thou. And we'll be looking down upon people and fail to remember that we used to be in that position or we used to be worse than that position of sinners that we see out in the world. And we'll start looking down upon people in the moment you come up trying to minister to someone with a holier-than-thou attitude, you have probably blown your opportunity to try and minister to them. So as we think about what was just read, what I just read in, in, in verse 5 and 6, there's, there's three things that need to take place in, in our lives to, to help prepare us to be everyday missionaries, to help us better see ourselves. The first one was comparison or conviction. You need to see yourself in contrast with God. What we tend to do with our, with our stinking selfish pride is this. We tend to compare ourselves with other people. That's the wrong measuring stick. It's easy to compare ourselves with other people and try and make ourselves feel a little bit better because we feel like we're not quite as bad as they are. The right measuring stick is to compare yourself to the holiness of God. To compare yourself to Jesus himself. And when we make that comparison, there ought to be a conviction that hits our life to where we with Isaiah would say this, Woe is me. I, I, I'm I'm undone. That ought to be the attitude that we have. And if we will keep that in our mindset as we try and minister for Christ, it will, it will help us greatly to have the right approach with other people as we try and minister to them. So that's the first important thing that needs to happen. We need to keep things in perspective by remembering who we are and where we used to be. Second thing is this, confession. Confession. Once you are convicted by that comparison of your life to the holiness of God. It ought to lead naturally to us confessing our sin before him. 
And we keep reading what Isaiah said. He said, for I am lost and I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see what motivated his confession? He saw the holiness of God. That made him understand how sinful he was. That made him understand how sinful the culture was that he was living in. And and you and I need to do the same thing in our lives. When God convicts us, we need to confess our sin before him. As Christians, we're supposed to confess our sin before him. Yes, if you know Christ as your Savior, you will not be judged eternally for your sin in your life because Jesus paid for it fully. But there will be an impact upon your life. There will be uh, a hindrance in your life of being everything that God wants you to be. Is trying to be on mission for him. That's why we need to recognize ourselves before God. We need to see ourselves before God and understand how holy he is. And that ought to lead to us confessing our, our sin. You see, unclean lips. He's talking about unclean lips. And so I might think, oh, he must have just been saying things he shouldn't say. Well, the Bible really teaches this. What comes out here comes from here. So unclean lips come from an unclean heart. And that's why we need to, to keep, even as Christians, to keep our, our, our sins confessed up. If we're going to be effective everyday missionaries for Christ, we have to admit we're unclean and recognize we live in the midst of an unclean culture, an unclean people. If we see God as he is, we shouldn't have any problem in admitting that, that we are in, in need of forgiveness and we're in a culture that's filled with sinners who need forgiveness. Third thing that needs to happen is this. And that's cleansing. You and I are going to be everyday missionaries. If those of us who are getting ready to hop on an airplane and fly to Guatemala, if we're going to be effective while we're there, we need to be honest before God and we need to ask God to cleanse us of anything in our lives that's not there. That should not be there. Anything in our lives that could be a hindrance to us being used. That's not just for people hopping on an airplane going to a foreign country. That's for us each and every day of our lives if we want to be clean and usable by God as we should be. He said, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, behold, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. From the altar of God, a seraphim flew and touched his lips. And we need to allow God from his altar, from his holy place in heaven, to convict our lives and to cleanse us as we confess sin to him. So we'll be keeping ourselves in a position, a place to be usable by God. Paul worried about that. Paul said, God forbid that after... I have preached to sinners that I would fall in such a way that I'd be put on a shelf. He was concerned about being put on a shelf. A ministry acquaintance of of mine, someone that I've looked up to recently, has been put on a shelf. Not going to call his name. Some of you might have read in the news and know about one of the largest churches in America has been put on a shelf. That's why we need to be concerned about keeping ourselves clean. 
someone, I can't even remember where the context was or whatever, but we were kind of sharing some, some prayer requests and all. I don't know if it was from one of the Friday mornings, Lynn, when we were getting together. It might have been one of the Guatemala meetings or whatever. And it was, they were kind of like asking, what's your biggest concern uh, right now? One of my biggest concerns is that I finish well. You know, I turned 60 this past February. I don't know how many more years, you know, I have left, but I want to finish well. That ought to be the goal that all of us have. I don't care if you're a teenager. You ought to have the goal of finishing well. And having that upon your mind. If if God convicts us, if we see ourselves before the holiness of God, as Isaiah saw himself before the holiness of God, we need to confess our sin before him and allow him to touch us from on high to cleanse us we need to decide yes after he cleanses us and allow him to use our lives if you're going to be the person that goes if you're going to be the who of being a missionary in your everyday life we need to allow God to keep us clean before we can minister to others We have to permit God to minister to us. Before you take on the position of thinking you can help someone else, you need to be letting God minister to you. Before we can pronounce woe on others, by the way, you'll see in just a minute, that's the ministry that God's about to give Isaiah. It wasn't necessarily a fun message that God's given Isaiah. Before we can pronounce woe upon others, we have to say woe is me to begin with third thing I want you to see this morning is this. We think about the who of being an everyday missionary. We talked about it being the person that's seen the Lord. We talked about it's the person who's seen himself before God. But thirdly, and lastly this morning, we answer that who by saying this. It's a person who answers God's call. It's a person who answers God's call. Send me. Send me. It's not just a person that's seen the Lord. It's not just the person who's seen himself. It's a person that also has seen the need. As they look out into the world we live in. We look at verses 8 through 13. I want you to notice with me four things. First of all, notice there's a question. There's a question. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's a question that Isaiah heard. That's a question that God is still asking. We've already talked in this series about the problem is not the ministry field because the fields are widened to harvest. The problem is having enough laborers. To go out and impact our culture for the kingdom of God. If we would get as motivated about the gospel, if we would become as motivated about being everyday missionaries as we are about some of our hobbies or some of the other solutions, political or whatever, that people think might fix our land, if we would become that motivated in the gospel, we could change our land. We could change the world that we live in. The question from God is simply that. Who shall I send and who will go for us? Notice the response. 
And I think for us as Christians, in light of what we know, you see, Isaiah was looking ahead to it. We can look behind and we can read the full story of Jesus suffering and dying on the cross for my sin and for your sin. In light of what God has done for us in Christ, how can we do anything other than respond like Isaiah responds? You see what his response is? Then I said, here am I, send me. He had seen the holiness of God. He had recognized his own personal sin. As a result of understanding that God is holy and people aren't. And seeing his own sin and the sin of his culture. And now hearing God ask a question, who can I send? Who would go for me? He's motivated by everything that he's seen and everything that's going on in his life at that point. Everything that's going on in his world. He's motivated by the call of God to the point that Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. Don't you think that's still a worthy response for us? As people who've trusted in Christ as our personal Savior. And I just looked and the wireless mic is not down here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask a couple of people to come. Guys, if y'all want to turn this mic on right here. And uh, maybe by the next service find me the wireless that stays up here so we can have it available to us. I'm going to ask some people to come and share uh, a little bit. We'd ask you to, uh, to send an email about how maybe you view yourself as a missionary. And a couple of stories may be shorter, one may be just a little bit longer. But uh, Angie shared with us last week about the, uh, about the Southern Baptist Convention, about uh, mission opportunities we have to give and help finance and help support uh, missions. But she also sent a, a quick story, and, and I think you need to see the contrast in this because some people think, well, because I'm sending money to missions, I've done my part. But we need to be everyday missionaries. And she's got kind of a, a neat story. I thought if you would come, Angie, and just share that real quick uh, with us. Uh, and, it's, and it's really an opportunity we get confronted with a lot of times. that we're sitting there mad when we're confronted with this opportunity. But, but here. I will tell you, it's really scary when you pray the prayer, send me, Lord. Um, or here am I, send me wherever you want me to go. That's, to me, that's a pretty scary prayer, but... God is faithful when you pray, so be ready if you do it. (laughs) Uh, But I am very lucky uh, in my job that I feel like that I can be a missionary. Every I'm a home health physical therapy assistant, and I go into hurting people's homes every single day. And um, just to be able to uh, smile because I'm not they, you know, just and if they ask me to pray for them. I try most of the time to pray right then uh, for them. But the story he wants me to tell is about 10 years ago, I was sitting at a um, road construction. And I was going, gosh, I'm late. What am I doing? Um, I'm sitting here. I don't know how long I'm going to be. I was trying to figure out whether I'd turn around or not. And God just hit me and said, Angie, you've got all these people out here working on the road. And they they had inmates written on the back of their shirt and um that those are hurting people too. Why don't you pray for them? And um, so that that was just sent me on a whole journey of. Um, and I drive a lot of back roads, and there's a lot of people working on those back roads, um, a lot of inmates picking up trash, and it just gave me an opportunity to pray for them. 
while I'm sitting there waiting on them. Uh, sometimes I'll pick out one, but I always pray for the whole. Um, and then just lately, God's been putting me the first person. When that little sign turns around to stop, I'm usually the first person there. And it's just amazing to me how many times I'm the first person. And um, so I'm sitting there and that little man's standing there. And it's, sometimes it's just me because I'm on the back road and I'm staring at him. And, I'm, you know, I so I said, okay, Lord, I'll start praying for him. So a couple weeks ago, I actually started rolling down my window and saying, hey, I'm praying for you while I'm sitting here. I don't have nothing else to do, so I'm praying for you. Anything that you want me to pray about. And it's amazing on just what they'll say. But I will tell you, the other day, I was standing there, and I rolled down the window, and I said, I'm going to pray while I'm sitting here. Do you, are there anything special you want me to pray for? And that man looked up and went, oh, my God, that's a crazy woman sitting there. Uh, but I said, are you sure? And he said, you know, his eyes big and wide. And so I just rolled my window back up, and I just kind of, I don't close my eyes because I don't never know when he's going to turn that little sign again. But I was just sitting there, and I was just talking to the Lord, and I heard his, I saw his mouth moving. So I rolled down the window again, and I said, you have anything? So he said, pray for this world. It is a mess. And I said, well, I'll be glad to. So I started rolling the window back up, and he started talking again. <laughs> and so he gave me about three things to pray about. But um, it was just, you know, it was just an opportunity, I, you know, to, to share God's love and just to share a prayer. Yeah. And had he not ever gave her a prayer, I guarantee you he would have remembered for days and maybe weeks and maybe all of his life. Hey, there's a woman that, that asked me if she could pray for, for me. Nancy, if, if, if you would come on. And while Nancy's coming, I'm going to expand on that just a little bit. Uh, I, how many of you get frustrated when you get hung up like that? You know, admit it. I mean, be honest, you know, and, uh, and everything. So that gives us a different perspective. By the way, you probably get a chance to practice it because I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news, but uh, in a couple of years, they're working on the plans now. They're probably going to tear up all of 321 in the bridge and everything else and put in a six lane instead of a four lane down through there. So when that hits, remember what she said and pray for the workers instead of just being mad. Uh, good morning, everybody. I like to say or think that I'm mission-minded, but I know that that desire that I have to serve others comes from my Savior. Amen. Amen. The king will reply to the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Matthew twenty-five forty. In 2005 and 2006, I went to Mississippi and Alabama three times and helped with the cleanup and rebuilding of homes and families affected by Hurricane Katrina. In 2009, I went to Haiti, one of the poorest countries in the world, and I was forever changed. One of the hardest things for me was re-entry into the United States, one of the richest countries in the world. We don't realize how spoiled we are until we see true poverty. We have too much here. In May of 2012, I started volunteering one day a week at the Salvation Army Shelter of Hope in Hickory. I go every Thursday at 12.30 and I help prepare the evening meal. The residents can return to the shelter at 3.30, so I make sure to have plenty of snacks ready for them before their evening meal at 4.30. I have learned so much about homelessness during my time there. It can happen to anyone and for many different reasons. I have the opportunity to talk to some of them and hear how, about how they came to be in the shelter and their hopes of finding work so they can be productive once again. I have prayed with some of them and given money to several that had a medical need. 
I have learned that I am blessed beyond measure because of those few hours a week there. I love serving others in Jesus' name. These verses sum up my love for missions, and I'm quoting from 2 Corinthians 1-5 through 5 from uh, the message. All praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that, too. Amen. Thank you. So, uh, so from Nancy's, uh, even though she had been uh, overseas in other countries and other cities where there have been disasters to, uh, to minister for Jesus' sake, uh, there's also plenty of local organizations like the Salvation Army, like the soup kitchens, and things like that, where you can go and volunteer, and, and you can impact people's lives there uh, also. Uh, and, I, and I appreciate her and some of you also helping the soup kitchen. I appreciate everything uh, that, that you do. Um, you, you might seem thankless sometime, but I'm glad there's a, a crown of glory that doesn't fade away one day. Amen? And uh, one other one, I'm going to ask Shannon if, if she would come. She's actually going to be going with us to Guatemala and has already been down there before. And she's going to give a, a, a different kind of perspective where you under, can understand and see how being on mission for Christ can be in a, in a completely different realm maybe than what you thought of. Um, I just found out I was going to speak, but, uh, I, um, sent the email when I got the email, thought about it for a few days and, you know, for, for a long time, my plans were graduate high school, go to college, go to nursing school, be a nurse. That's all, all I wanted to do. And, um, a few, few years ago, I was diagnosed with narcolepsy and some other things and, had some problems with my work, so I couldn't work anymore. So I was angry with God. I didn't understand why, why my plans weren't working. You know, I had a beautiful family. I wanted to help support them. And my prayers started to change of, why me? Why did this happen? To, okay, this is my situation. What do I need to do with it? So now I look at it as my mission field is my children, my family. And I have three children of my own. They're all ADHD, and they all come with struggles. Um, and just recently we've took, taken in another child. So now we have four. And that is my mission field. And every day I feel him daily because it is a struggle, as all moms know. But... Even though I struggle day to day with my kids and our extra one, it's it's my mission field, and I'm proud to say that is my mission field. Um, and I just thank God, even though it's not what I wanted to do, it wasn't my plans; it was God's plans. So that's my mission field. Yeah, thank you. So you see how you can bring it down to where it's just even in your own home. If you, whatever we do, we've already seen this in this series. Whatever we do, we're to do the glory of God. Amen. Uh, even to be in home with, with your own children. We're, we're talking about this last thing about you know who it is that uh, ought to be an everyday missionary, and it's a person that answers the call. It's a person that says like um, Isaiah did. 
who am, you know, here I am, send me. God asked a question. You saw the response of him. He said, send me. That's what these who are getting ready to go to Guatemala have said. God send us. That's what we're getting ready to do. You need to have that attitude as you walk out the doors of this church. God send me. But uh, also a couple other things. Uh, as we think about being the person who sees the need and has answered the call. After he said, send me, God commissions him. There, there's a commission that takes place. In a few minutes, we're going to pray and commission uh, these who are leaving from us to go uh, on, on this mission trip. But there's a commission, and, and here's what God told Isaiah. He said, go and say this to the people. I want you to go. I've got something for you to say. I want you to go and be on mission for me. You've answered the call. You said you're willing to go. I, I'm going to take your willingness, Isaiah, and I'm going to send you forth with my message. And God will do the same thing for us. If we will say, God, here I am, send me. He will send us. He will open doors for you. He will commission you. Even if it's in your own home, or if it's in a local ministry, or if it's some other part of the world, God will commission you. And if you will be willing and ask him to use you. You see, we're told in Acts 1-8, you shall be my witnesses or be witnesses to me uh, to the end of the earth. That's not just for those disciples then. Jesus wants us to be his witnesses. We've already seen several times in the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You see, God is simply waiting for us to reply and say, here I am, send me, and then he'll commission us. Last thing I want you to see is the message that was given him. God said, all right, I want you to go, and I want you to share my message. And like I told you just a few minutes ago, the message he gave Isaiah wasn't necessarily the, the most fun message he could have been declaring. But here's what he told him. Go and tell the people. Go and tell the people of his day. Go and tell that nation in that moment, in that time. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. That's not a very positive message, is it? And yet that's what he told him to go forth and share with the people that are there. God helps Isaiah to fully see the need of going and sharing exactly what God wanted him to share. And you see, the need has not changed. We, we live in a day and time that we still need to share God's message because we need to go for Christ and Christ wants to use us as we go to, to meet the needs of people around us, to minister to them. Now, to, to set that message in context a little bit, God wasn't telling Isaiah, go and be mean. He wasn't telling Isaiah to, to go and, and have this nasty type of message. And, and God is not saying that, that he hated the people because of where they were. It wasn't that God wanted necessarily their ears not to hear or their hearts to be numb or to be hard. The truth of the matter was this. They had done it to themselves. They had had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to hear, and they didn't want to hear. They had opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity to open their hearts, but they did not want to open their hearts. So their hearts were dull, and their ears were tired of hearing. It was like, quit telling us this. We've heard it enough. We don't want to believe. It's kind of the type of attitude that they were given. And we can face that same attitude in the day in which we live. It wasn't an easy message. The nation wasn't in mood in that day and time to hear any messages the nation wasn't wanting to hear about sin and judgment. 
sound like a familiar culture? We live in a day and time that people don't want to hear a lot about sin. And they don't want to hear a lot about God's judgment. And yet that's part of the message that God has given us. If you look at the nation of that day and time, Isaiah chapter 1, God pictures the nation as a sick body covered with wounds and rotting sores as a stubborn and rebellious animal too ignorant to listen to his own master. That's the picture that God gave of his own people in Isaiah chapter 1. In Isaiah chapter 5, the nation is pictured there as a beautiful vineyard, but they couldn't produce any good grapes. You look good, but you're not doing anything. In Isaiah chapters 1 through 5, we can understand the burden that God had given Isaiah as as you kind of roll all that together. I'm going to give you some highlights of it. The nation was prosperous, so why preach about sin? God even says this in in chapter 3, you know, the fashionable ladies won't want to hear about sin. He says this in chapter 5, the ruling leaders will not want to hear about sin. That's the way the culture was in that day and time. God is saying that his word, they had heard it so much and pushed it off so much, it was having a hardening effect upon their hearts, a dulling effect upon their ears. See, the Bible, when it talks about a heart being hardened, a way to illustrate that is this. The same sun that melts ice also hardens the clay. And if God is wanting to melt our our heart of ice, and if we don't allow him to do it, that same light that God gives us can harden our hearts and harden our lives. In John chapter 12, it speaks about that. We don't have time to read it, but in John chapter 12, You can look at it later, but it tells us this. They would not believe in verse 37. Therefore, they could not believe in verse number 39. And then it turns into they should not believe in verse 40. Man, that's a serious thing. We're going to have a time of invitation in just a moment. But if you're not a Christian... Or if you're a Christian that's got unrepentant sin in your life and God is speaking to you and you keep giving a death ear to it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it. You can move from the stage of would not believe to could not believe to should not believe. The more God deals with a person's heart and the more they push it off, the easier it is the next time. To push it off. To not listen. To turn a deaf ear to what God is saying. And as a result of it, a hard heart begins to exist in the person's life. Many, God's telling him up front, Isaiah, many aren't going to listen. But he said there would be some that would listen. Because he, you finish reading all that text right there and in, uh, in, in Isaiah it went on and said this then I said how long O Lord should I give this message and he said until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and the houses without people 
and the land is a desolate waste. In other words, he said, Isaiah, keep proclaiming my message until my judgment is finished. And the Lord removes people far away. They'd be carried into captivity. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. In other words, there's going to be a lot of areas that's forsaken there in, in, in God's land, in the promised land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. But then he says this, the holy seed is the stump. Some wouldn't hear, but some would. A few years ago, we had a storm come through uh, in our development, blew some trees over. The... Uh, Pear, the, the pear trees don't stand very well anyway. You've probably seen them get broke over a whole lot by wind. And uh, I went out and sawed them up, and then I had someone to come with a stump grinder and grind them up, and then eventually just planted brand new trees. My neighbor didn't do that. Um, had a neighbor there, also had one fall over. And uh, he was out there hugging the tree, praying over it. <laughs> and uh, I even told him when I was getting ready to have the stump grinder come because I thought, well, he'd do it cheaper for you since he's already going to be here. And uh, she said, no, I, I want to leave it. And uh, sure enough, that stump that I thought was dead started to sprout. And now there's a full-size tree there. Some wouldn't hear, but some would hear. And God's telling Isaiah there's going to be a remnant. And that seed talks about Jesus, who would come from that remnant. Some would not hear, but some will. The same thing is true in our culture today. As you go forth to try and be an everyday missionary, some will not hear. Maybe many will not hear, but thank God some will. And that makes it worthwhile for us to try and be on mission for God. God has a question. Who will I send? I think the only Jesus-honoring, God-honoring response for us who know Christ as our Savior is, is to say, here I am, send me. And like Angie said, it can be a scary thing when you start praying that. You start saying, wherever you want me to go. It can be a scary thing. And when we respond, God will send us with his message to a world that's filled with people that need Jesus. All of us need to decide yes, because there are people in this world that need to be impacted by the love of Christ. But it's letting God use our lives. Never underestimate what one person can do. Isaiah was one person. Don't sell yourself short. Don't say, I would go, but I'm just one. God can take one person and change the world. Amen? If they will sell out to God and God use their life. The question today is simply this. Are you willing to answer the question, who will go? Are you willing to tell God that you're willing to go? That day when Isaiah walked out of the temple... He was a mourner at the beginning of it. Remember, he was sad and he was mourning because his king had died. But that day that he walked out of the temple, he changed from being a mourner to being a missionary. And you and I need to get over 
the circumstances in our world and all the excuses, and we need to walk out the doors of this place and be a missionary. Isaiah had seen the Lord, he had seen himself, and he had seen the need. My prayer is today, when we leave this place, we have seen the Lord, we've honestly seen ourselves, and we'll go forth into this world and see the need and do something about it. Let's pray. Father, help us to honestly look above all the things that worry us, look above the circumstances in our world. Help us to get over the dead kings and help us to look to you and see you high and lifted up. Father, help us to understand no matter how bleak it looks here in heaven, They're saying, holy, holy, holy. No matter how many people fall here, no matter how many leaders, whether it be church leaders or political leaders, no matter how they fall here, no matter the impact that takes place in our culture, God, we can look above our culture and understand in heaven, they're crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Raise our focus, elevate our eyes to look at you seated on the throne. Help us not only to see you, help us to honestly see ourselves and give us a correct mindset as we try and minister to others. Father, cleanse us especially. Cleanse us who are leaving for this mission trip tonight. Father, I pray we would do more than just see you and see ourselves. Help us to see the need. Help us to hear you ask the question, who will go? Who can you sin and help us to say here I am God send me with your Christ's name we pray Amen during the invitation if you're here preparing to go on the mission trip to Guatemala would you come up and just kind of stand off to the side for a moment because in just a minute we're going to pray over you but if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior you might have been thinking man I'd like to do something to change the world around me That begins by allowing God to change your heart. Do you honestly see in yourself and trust in Christ? If you've been putting it off, you better quit putting it off. Because you might get a hard heart where you don't want to hear and where you won't respond. And if God's dealing with you, don't put it off. Don't get a hard heart. And as believers, if you're willing to go, if you're willing to dedicate yourself, pray about that during this invitation whether it's where you're seated at or kneeled here at the front and say God help me to go out these doors seeing the need help me to go out these doors and quit mourning my life and quit mourning our culture quit mourning the circumstances help me to go outside these doors and be a missionary for you please stand Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.